don't you take your seats? So good to share with you tonight, share my heart. If you don't know me, my name's Jay, um, so I'm the youth leader here. Been doing that for the last six months, and um, it's pretty special to see a couple of um, a couple of the guys getting baptized, which is awesome. But we've been going through a series from Luke recently uh, for the first half of the year, and um, it's been a bit of a been a bit of a powerful journey, in my opinion, being able to see how Jesus walked. Um, because in the book of Luke, we get to see the human side of God, um, which is awesome. And so today we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 6 from verse 27. If you want to turn to there, I'm going to be reading from um, the NLT. It says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer the shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. I'm going to read that first verse again. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Now these are some of the most radical and difficult commands that Jesus has given us as a church, his disciples. It is hard to follow. I don't know about you, but loving your enemies, it's not something that you naturally want to do. You normally think of something along the lines of vengeance or... Yeah, I'm saying that because I like Batman a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think Stephen knew that, eh? Yeah. But it's a difficult thing when people have insulted us. When people have wounded us, when people have backstabbed us, when people have not supported us, when we've needed to have support, when people have hurt us, it is hard. It is hard to love those people, right? It's not just me, surely. One thing I know is that we all have enemies. We may not use that terminology anymore, but like if someone came up to me, if Aaron came up to me and said, Jay, can you list me, uh, give me a list of your enemies? I can't. Like give a, any, I can't say anyone I consider an enemy, but I surely have people that annoy me. There are people that frustrate me. There are people which I may not like more than others. Sorry. That's how it is. <laughs> so basically, if we would all be honest with ourselves, surely you can list some people that annoy you, right? 
Don't look at the neighbour beside you. (laughs) There are people that annoy us. There are people that frustrate us at times. But there are also people that hurt us. There are people that have wounded us. There are people that have backstabbed us. Maybe we've even done that to other people. It is difficult to love our enemies. For some of you right now, your enemy might be that someone who isn't texting you back fast enough. For some people, your enemy might be that workmate who got a pay rise when he does nothing and you do way more than him. But then genuinely, your enemy may be someone who has actually hurt you, who has wounded you, who has insulted you, and who has genuinely offended you. It's serious stuff, and it is hard to shake off. And we don't always get it right loving our enemies, do we? I don't get it right sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm quite good at it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember... When I went to Boys High, Hamilton Boys High, where's my Hamilton Boys High guys? A couple of people, yeah. I was in um, year 11, and uh, who knows what Moonball is? Moonball? Yeah, so Moonball is basically tackle rugby, but except with an exercise ball. And so, I didn't. Um, and so basically what happened was, there was this guy in my class called Services Academy. That's the class which if you are wanting to be in the police one day if you're, or you're wanting to maybe be in the army. And so I was in that class and there was this guy. This guy and he was a jerk. Seriously. He was rude to the teacher. He was rude to other students. But most importantly, he was rude to me. And he insulted me all the time because of my faith especially. And oh, he always got on my nerves. Anyway, the teacher goes, all right, put on your PE gear one day, and we're going out to play Moonball. So what's happening? We're on the field. The ball comes rolling towards me. I pick it up. Oh, no. Look at that. I'm making eye contact with that guy. Mm, He's been on my nerve for the last year. Just remember, this is a sport where you are supposed to hit people with the ball, so... I'm, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily, like, you know, doing anything bad because I'm just playing a sport. But anyway, pick up the ball. I start sprinting right at him. Well, anyway, I hit him, and um, he went flying, like, five metres because um, exercise balls make you go a long way. And, um, and he, he uh, broke an arm. Um, not, I didn't break his arm. He broke his own arm by landing on it weird. <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> but let's just say that I probably didn't do the greatest job at loving my enemy or the person who I didn't like in that circumstance. And I'm sure there's, been, there's been times where we've done the same. Well, no, not that. I, I surely hope you haven't all done that. Well... But there's been times where we have come short and we find it really hard to love our enemy. And we see this scripture that says, Are you, oh, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. This is radical stuff. This is completely opposite to what the world teaches us. And so, we also see later on in the passage, it says, love your enemies, do good to them, and listen to this, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Back in Jesus' time, you were taught from a young age that you love your family and you hate your enemies. Also, in Jewish law, Jews don't charge interest to Jews. That was understood and considered generous and normal at that time. And so here's Jesus in verse 35, which I just read out, saying, you think that is generous? But I'm saying don't even ask for your money back. This is completely countercultural to what they knew. And so I believe, yeah, I've been talking about loving your enemies and how that's the big part. I believe this whole passage is mainly talking about how we need to be countercultural people, how that is Jesus' whole thing being the opposite to the world. In a sense, living in a way that is higher and different to what the world expects. That is what we are meant to do as followers of Jesus. If we want to win never, wherever, be like Jesus, we have to be completely countercultural. And I'm going to share three things that I believe we need to be able to be countercultural in our lives. First of all, I want to ask some questions, and I want you guys to respond with your hand. Who here believes in Jesus? Awesome. Who here loves Jesus and considers themselves a Christian? Who believes that Jesus loves everybody and desires for everybody to have a relationship with him? Basically everyone. Who here believes in heaven and hell? Eternity. So that's basically all of us. We believe these things. I'm about to show you a video. You would have seen it this morning if you were um, at the, or did you share it at North as well? So you would have saw it at all three gatherings if you were at either of them. And so this video shows Ben Gillette. You might know him from Penn and Teller, the show about uh, magic. And so this guy, Penn, he is a very well-known magician, very well-known actor, but he's actually most well-known for being an atheist. And he does a lot of uh, talk shows and stuff about that. And so in this video, we see him talking about how he doesn't, respect Christians who don't proselytize. Who knows what proselytize is? Yeah, like no one. So proselytize has been lost in the English language, I think. Um, It basically means sharing your faith. If I'm proselytizing, I'm sharing my faith. I'm preaching the gospel. And so take a look at the video. This is what he says about that. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell, or not getting eternal life, or whatever. And you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this, because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to 
believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. <laughs> That's crazy. So this guy, who's an atheist, says, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize, to not share your faith? Those questions that I read before, if you answered yes to those and you don't share that with other people, can I challenge you? How much do you have to hate people to not tell them that? I feel it too, guys. I feel it too. It's crazy. And so, if we want to be countercultural, number one, we need to share the gospel. I want to do a quick shout out to the HBHS boys again. Where are they? Where are they? There's a few here. Yeah. These boys, um, I set out a challenge for them at the start of this term. I said, if you guys can get 15 people in your school group, I'll come and bring you guys some pizzas. Well, anyway, I was expecting them to do it. Half a term, maybe a full term. Do it. Well, anyway, four days later, they've got 16 people in their prayer group at school. <laughs> That's incredible. Come on. Not, not only that, but they've also told me that in two weeks' time they will have 25. <laughs> and so that's a, that's a quarter of 100. If, if, that's in, if that's in the first three weeks of school, by the end of the term, they'll be filling out the school hill. We're expectant for that. So <laughs> that's incredible, man. Big shout-out to you guys. They, they texted me that, and I was just, like, nearly crying. It was so amazing. I, Kathan and I led a healing group in school, and we would have dreamed to, to see results that fast. <laughs> One week. Reinhard Bonnke, who's the leader of Christ for Nations, he says, the unpreached gospel is no gospel at all. Gospel means good news. In other words, he's saying the good news that is not preached is not good news at all. That's a bold statement, but I'm, I believe it completely. The gospel isn't just meant to tickle the ears of Christians. It's not a thing where we come on Sunday and, cool, we hear about Jesus again, yay, we go into our weeks, a little, little nice tickle in the air. No, 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 the gospel actually changes lives and it has power in it. And it's meant to go beyond these walls, not stay within here. How much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel? Have that on your heart. I'm going to have it on mine. A simple Jesus loves you can change a life. It seriously can. How hard is it to go up to someone and just order some BK or something, make, some, make a meal out of it? And go, hey, Jesus loves you so much. Take the meal. It's easy and it can change your life. We've got an event coming up called Activate Crave. Little plug. Um, and so, can I get that flyer? You would have found the flyers on your seat. So there's a guy from Dylan Long. A uh, guy from Dylan Long. A guy called Dylan Long coming. Um, so he's from Awakening Europe. 
um, and his job title is um, Outreach Coordinator. So basically, these guys at Awakening do stadium events all around the world, especially in Europe and Australia. So they see hundreds of thousands of people saved. And this guy here is 24 years old, young dude, and his job is an outreach coordinator. What they do is they get everyone into a stadium. For the first couple nights, they see how many people can be saved. Next couple days, every single person in that stadium goes out into the streets to invite people back in and see just thousands more saved. And that's his job, leading those outreaches. And so if you want to learn and be equipped with what you need to be able to share the gospel boldly, I encourage you, come to these nights. There'll be a Friday night, which is Dare to Share. There'll be Saturday night, which is Activate Crave. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring people from the street. It'll be an awesome time, and these are also here on the Sunday. So, to live a countercultural life, we need to share the gospel. If we want to live a countercultural life, number two, we need to be prepared for persecution. In fact, it's actually a promise from Jesus. It says in Matthew 10.22, Jesus says, And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures till the end will be saved. There have been many occasions which I have been rejected and persecuted um, when I've been sharing my faith. It's how it goes when we are countercultural. We're the opposite to the world. It's a given. It's a promise from the Father. And so, at the start of this year, actually, all I had was persecution. I talked to many people, so many people. I didn't get one good feedback. Everyone, no, stuff off, don't want to hear it. Stuff off. That's all I got until this beautiful moment where I was going for a walk with Keita and we walked past a guy in a wheelchair and we got to pray for him, which was incredible. And ever since that, actually, I haven't had one person persecute me. I haven't even thought about that. That's pretty cool. Um, But persecution does come. Persecution is a big word, and it's a scary word, but it's not, because we need to believe and remember what Paul says in Romans 8.18, and it says, for what we suffer now, okay, cool, I'm being persecuted now, for what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. We need to believe that. We need to attach that to our lives when we are countercultural because we will have people persecute us. But for what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that God will reveal to us later. Hold that onto your heart. Our mind often, our mind often goes to the world when we hear the word persecution, right? You know, if I talk about persecution a lot of the time, oh yeah, okay, so the world persecuted me when I share my faith. We can believe that, but I actually believe that a lot of persecution comes from the church. And it's a sad, sad, sad reality. You you even might be able to think of one or two people right now within the church that have backstabbed you, that have hurt you, that have lied about you, 
You may be able to think of that. It's a sad reality, and we can't instantly judge the world in a sense and go, okay, persecution. The world persecutes us because we're Christians. Hold on. There are people that are Christians who don't know the reality of what Jesus did for them. And so, therefore, they're living in a way that they have to bring others down. There is a behavior. Sorry. Yes. There is a behavior behind every situation. And so there is also a story behind every behavior. And we have to remember that and we have to realize that, that, hold on, okay, so this person is backstabbing me. Okay, hold on, so what's actually going on in their life that I'm not realizing? Yeah, I could put my back up and I could ignore them. I could put my back up and I could uh, even show vengeance again and I could go back at them. But actually, hold on. What is going on in their life which is causing them to do this? We have to be aware that there is um, a story behind every behavior. And persecution does come. And so that's something we always need to have attentive on our heart. If you are suffering persecution right now, or if you're willing to pick up the cross and you're willing to be countercultural in your life, I want to encourage you with this. Matthew 5, 10 to 12 says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. So when we're countercultural, we have to first share the gospel. When we're countercultural, we have to second be prepared for persecution. And when we are countercultural, we need to be in love with Jesus. That is the center. That is the everything. If you have to go away with one of these three points, be in love with Jesus. It all starts with being in love with Jesus. If we want to be countercultural and whenever, wherever, be like Jesus, we have to love God in a way that makes his heart race. That is the reality of a disciple. Being in love with Jesus is the key to sharing the gospel because boldness doesn't come from personality, it comes from righteousness. I get told a lot, Jay, I can't share my faith because I'm an introvert. Jay, I can't share my faith because I'm quiet. Actually, that's a lie which the devil has placed in you. We need to believe Proverbs 28.1, but the righteous are bold like lions. If you believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross, if you believe that, if you know that, you're righteous. If you live in a place of righteousness, that's where boldness comes from. Boldness doesn't come from personality, whether I'm loud or quiet, whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert or whatever. That's not where boldness comes from. I'm naturally an introvert. If that was my status, I wouldn't be up here right now preaching. Boldness does not come from personality. It comes from righteousness. Being in love with Jesus is the key to being prepared for persecution Because as I said before, then we'll know the reality of, hold on, for what I'm suffering now is nothing compared to the glory that God will reveal to me later. Romans 8.18. It is the key. 
God wants a heart that is completely his. And here are a couple of ways to tell if your heart is in love with Jesus. This is a little self-audit. You know, everybody says they're in love with Jesus, you know, if they're Christian. Um, But I really, really believe that these are going to be a few distinguishing points that I believe um, could help clear the air, in a sense, um, on if we love Jesus with all of our heart. So number one, no one and nothing captivates your heart like him. If there is something else in your life that captivates you more or gets more of your attention, then you can be sure that your love is suffering. Time with him, this is number two, time with with him is above everything else because he so loved, John 3.16, to be with him is the greatest thing to do. And this is how you can tell if your heart is longing to be with him. Then your love is suffering. Sorry, if your heart is not longing to be with him, then your love is suffering. Number three, his words mean so much to you. More than the words of anybody else, in fact. You cannot tell me that you value his words if you do not love the scriptures. If you do not love the scriptures because they proceed out of him. That's how God speaks. It's one way God speaks. We need to love the scriptures. So if your heart does not love to hear God's voice in the word of God, you can be sure your love is suffering. And number four, his desires mean more to you than your own desires. He is saying right now, you can have anything from my life. You can have anything from my life. Is that your desire or or what is your desire? What's your heart based on? You know, biblical prayer is actually, in a sense, being an intercessor on behalf of God, asking for what is on God's heart, not on what is on ours. A lot of the time we can go into the presence of God or into a place of prayer and we can turn it into a wish list for ourselves. God, I want this. God, this is going on. Can you help me with this? Actually, biblical prayer is actually looking for what's on God's heart and praying into that. You might be listening to this and saying, well, I don't know if I love Jesus then. Or I don't know if I love Jesus like that. I want to tell you, it's completely okay. And it is completely okay to tell Jesus Jesus, I don't love you like that. I want to. Help me. Help me love you like that, God. That is the secret to falling in love with Jesus. Recognizing that he is wholly desirable and that we don't desire him. And we need to say, I know this is you and I need you. I want to love you. This is a thing of taking up our cross daily. We need to be praying that prayer actually every day because there are some days where I'm like, Jesus, I'm in love with you and I'm about to shout it out to the world. And then there's some weeks which I'm like, I'm not really feeling it today to be honest. And it's actually a daily walk of picking up your cross. I shared that at um, North the other week. 
So if we want to live a countercultural life, we have to, number one, share the gospel. Number two, be prepared for persecution. And number three, be in love with Jesus. And we have the privilege of seeing two people being baptized today, which is awesome. And being baptized is a huge step to living a countercultural life. It is. It is expressing all three of those things. Sharing the gospel. Come on, sharing the gospel, both that and being prepared for persecution. Doing that sort of thing in a public place is both of those things. And number three, they want to be more in love with Jesus. That's why they're doing it. <laughs> it's powerful. Good work, guys. We're going to pray to finish off. Um, why don't you just position yourself how you would encounter God? Jesus, I pray for more of you. Lord, that everybody in here knows something more of your presence right now. Lord, for anyone in here who listened to this message and is going, Jesus, I want to love you more. I want to love you more. Lord, I pray that a fresh love and desire for Jesus falls on each person right now. Holy Spirit, pour something new in them, a new desire, a new love. God, we need it. Lord, I pray that we can come into a place of humility every single day and go, God, I need you more. Because blessed are those who are poor at spirit. Lord, I pray that that time with you in our days, Lord, is the time that we look forward to the most. Lord, that we encounter you in that place. Thank you, Jesus, for a fresh touch of your love in this place. God, for anyone in here who is right now going, Jay, I want to be countercultural. Thank you, Jesus, for something taking place in their life, God, for truth taking place in their life. Lord, that we can be more bold, not because we're getting louder, but we can be bold because we know who we are in you. So Lord, I pray for a new sense of identity. Lord, that we know what you did on that cross for us. And because of that, we know what you did on that cross for the person in front of us. And Lord, I pray that we can boldly tell the people around us about that. Lord, that we will have that revelation on our heart all the time of how much do you have to hate somebody to not share the gospel. Lord, let that convict our hearts. God, let it stir in us. Let it nag us. 
You know, when we're about to share the gospel, we see someone and we get that thought, maybe I should. Lord, let it tug on our hearts and be something that doesn't let go and just starts to annoy us. I want that, God. Lord, I thank you for the reality of the cross and what you did. Lord, that everybody in here knows that. Everybody in here walks out with a brand new sense um, of revelation about the cross. Thank you, Jesus.